Father, as I come to bring your word, I just pray that my words will be your words and that you'll give us ears to hear and hearts to understand. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I'm going to read some words from Ephesians chapter 4, um, starting at verse 11 through to 16. So Ephesians 4, 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by every and by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Thanks be to God for his, his word. And, and we're going we're gonna, to, I started um, the last time I, I stood up here, I, I um, looked at that same passage and I picked out the idea of, of what it meant to be a pastor. Um, and we explored that, that gift. Um, and I'm kind of working through these, these gifts. Um, and today it's teacher. Um, the five gifts that Paul talks about uh, being given to the church are gifts that we consider essential to a healthy, growing church. And, and that's what we, we want to be. Um, but I want to be clear about the gifts. And, and, and I think that, that they are for everyone. I, I don't think God intended that there are certain people in, in the church that don't have the gifts. I, I just don't believe that that's what God wants. I think the gifts are for everyone. Now, not everyone's going to be a pastor or a teacher, but there are elements of the ministry that those gifts bring that we can all do. And, and that's really kind of what I want us to understand today. That's what I, I believe. And I believe that God's word is very clear on that. So, let, let's, let's just make sure that we, we really understand. I don't want any misunderstandings. Um, kind of reminds me of a, an old guy that went to the doctors um, and he was, a, he was uh, you know, getting on in life and he, he went um, for a checkup and the doctor kind of gave him a checkup and gave him some lifestyle advice. And uh, uh, a few weeks later, the doctor went into a restaurant and saw this elderly gentleman with a, a, a gorgeous young woman seated at a table and he went up to the, the guy and said, how, how is this following the device I gave you? He said, well, the, 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 the elderly guy said, well, you told me to find a hot mama and be cheerful. That's what I've done. No, 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 the doctor said, I need to check your hearing. What I said was, I found a, a heart murmur and you need to be careful. <laughs> anyway, I don't want anyone to misunderstand what, what I'm going to say today. These gifts... While we may not all be pastors and teachers and evangelists, 
the elements that those gifts bring and the ministry that they bring into the church, we can all take part in. And there's, there are gifts for everyone. So let's look at being a teacher then and the attributes of that gift. Um, the Greek for it is uh, didaskalos. Um, it is translated as a teacher, sometimes as master, um, or as a poet even. So we can wax lyrical about being a teacher. And it's where we, we get our word didactic or didactic from, um, which you'll be familiar with. And, and the Greeks were, were huge fans of theatre. I'm sure you're aware of that. And I was made to study this at school. Um, they were... Uh, they were they were huge fans of 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 having uh, the teacher the didaskalos um, would be the the director of the theatre production and uh, he would teach the actors their roles and their lines um, and of course they had a practical outcome they wanted to present a message to uh, to put on a performance to the to the audience um, and that, that's fine. I, I just remember having to endlessly study Aeschylus and the Oresteia and, and, you know, Euripides and the Trojan women until I was totally fed up with Greek theatre and never wanted anything to do with it. But they were mad on it. And they had a didaskalos, a teacher, to kind of make sure everything went smoothly. And an element of a the teacher there, therefore, is not just to kind of endlessly pump knowledge into people. Um, certainly not in a, a church setting, but it's to direct, to lead by demonstrating. And Madeline and I did a lot of drama. That's how we, we first got together at, at university. And, 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 and you know, the, the director was always leaping in and demonstrating how he wanted a line to be, to be, uh, to be spoken or how he wanted you to move or stand. Um, sometimes it was really disconcerting because you thought you'd nailed it. And then it was, no, I want you to do it this way. The director, the teacher, the didaskalos was in charge. And it's a bit passe now in, in uh, having done 15 years of teaching, and, and Madeline will back me up in this. Uh, when we started out in our teaching careers, um, there was a very clear kind of teaching uh, or theory about learning and about teaching that, that, that people learn in, in one of three ways. Um, you know, there was those that learn visually and those that learn orally by hearing and those that learn kinesthetically by touching and doing and actually experiencing it. And, and it's a bit passe now that, 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 that the teaching theory has moved on um, because you, you, you can't, you see elements of all that teaching in, in kids that you're teaching and in people. You know, we don't learn exclusively just by hearing. We use our eyes. We, we, we experience things as well. And so there's a, there's a, a degree to which there's visual, kinesthetic and, and oral learning going on all the time. And a good teacher will, will use a combination of all those uh, to cater for all types of, of learners. Let's root this in the Bible, though. Let's, let's look at, at the value of teaching <clears throat> that scripture uh, that is, uh, that, 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 uh, is born out in scripture. So this is where the audience participation comes in. Um, if you've been given a little card with a, a number on it, um, can we have number one, please? There's a verse in Proverbs. Listen, my son, to your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Thank you. 
So we need to listen to our mothers and fathers. We need to be taught by their example. What about uh, uh, Proverbs 6, 23, number 2? For these commandments are light. This teaching is a light. And the correction of discipline are the way to life. Okay. So the correct teaching can give us a light to follow, to can put us onto the right path. And, and so that's important uh, aspect of teaching that goes on in the church. Uh, who's got number three? Proverbs 12, verse 1. To learn, you must love. You must love discipline. It is stupid to hate correction. Okay. So kind of puts it back on the learner, on the, the teachee. Um, you, you need to have that discipline to learn. And we are under God's authority, and it's God that teaches us, and so we need to have that discipline to be under his authority to learn what he wants us to learn properly. There's a great value placed in the Bible on spiritual understanding. Um, who's got number four, Proverbs Four verse five. Get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forget, nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Excellent, thank you. So that's that's unequivocal. My translation says, "Get wisdom, get understanding. Don't forget my words or swerve from them." So you know. We're told that, that this wisdom, this spiritual understanding, is important to us. We mustn't forget God's words. Uh, who's got number five? John chapter 17, verse three. Uh, this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Okay. So partly the idea of all this teaching and this learning is that it leads to eternal life. The knowledge of God leads to eternal life. And of course, that's the most important. Where's this teaching from? Well, it's ultimately from God. It may be delivered through, through mankind, through people in the church, but it's from God. So let's, let's look at those. Uh, who's got number six? John chapter seven, um, verse 16. So Jesus answered them and said, my teaching is not mine, but from him who sent me. If anyone is willing to do his will, he will know about the teaching, whether it is of God or I speak from myself. Okay, clearly then, God in the teaching. Who's got number seven, John chapter six, verse 45. It is written in the prophets, they were all be taught by God. Everyone who listens to the Father and learns from him comes to me. Thank you. Once again, clearly from God and leading to eternal life. We'll come to God. We'll come to Jesus through that knowledge. And finally, number eight, 2 Timothy 3, 16. Who's got that? Number eight. All scriptures is God brings and is useful for teaching, for proving, correcting, and training in righteousness. Fantastic. Thank you, Ivy. All scripture is God breathed, therefore, it's from God, we know, and is useful for teaching and 
rebuking and correcting and training in righteousness. So this is a powerful thing, this teaching business. It really is. If it's the right teaching, if it's from God, it's useful for discipline in the church. It's useful for correcting, for training people in the right path. And, and that leads back to the lamp being the light of the, the correct path through that teaching that we receive. We have to have a willingness to be taught, though. Um, can somebody read number nine, please? Luke 11, 1. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. Okay, so that's us thinking about coming to teaching and learning in the right frame of mind, willing to be taught, willing to, to understand what uh, the teaching means. And then finally, who's got number 10, Acts 8, verse 31. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Exactly. So we need teachers. <laughs> They have a key role in guiding the church and the people in the church. Uh, by the way, the, the scripture makes special mention of, uh, of the value of teaching children. So, um, you know, we should remember our Sunday school teachers particularly. So why did Paul talk about this gift of teaching and, and the other gifts as well? Well, it's to get the church in the right frame of mind to grow and mature. In, in Ephesians 4.12, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. And we want that, don't we, for our church? We want to be built up in, in Christ. So we can see that the role of the, the, the minister, the teacher, the evangelist, the prophet, the apostle, which we'll, we'll come on to in, in other sermons, is to equip others to do their jobs in the life of the church. And, and it's a reciprocal agreement. So if we think that ministry is something that just happens to us and blesses us, and it may well do, so I'm not negating that, but if we think that's all it is, um, instead of uh, as a service that we can perform and that makes us a blessing to somebody else, then we're going to end up a bit stagnant and the church will not grow. And it, it reminded me of, of the, the Dead Sea. Um, I, I have been to the Dead Sea and kind of floated around reading the newspaper in the classic um, fashion. Uh, it's an amazing place. It really is. And it's such a, an amazing analogy of a church that is stagnant and doesn't grow. You know, it's, it, it's a huge body of water, 50 kilometres by 15. Um, it's... Um, 430 metres below sea level. It's the lowest land-bound elevation on Earth. Okay, so it's it's pretty low. It's uh, 304 metres deep <clears throat> as well. I didn't, hadn't really realised it was a thousand feet deep, <coughs> but it is. It's the deepest hypersaline lake <clears throat> in the world, and it has a salinity of 34. Um, it changes, but that's the average over the course of a year. 34.2% salt. 
So it's massively salty. It's nine times more salty than, than clactin. Okay. Um, but it's not, weirdly, the most salty lake on Earth. There are saltier. Um, there's, there's a lake in Antarctica that is, is saltier, has 45% um, salt. And there's only 75 millimetres of rainfall a year on average falls on the Dead Sea. So it's not getting filled up by rain. The only way that water goes into the Dead Sea is by the River Jordan. It's got one inlet. That's it. Occasionally, there are sort of flash flood wadis that fill up and drain into the Dead Sea. But the only regular inflow is the River Jordan. And there are no routes out. There's no rivers flowing out. There's no streams flowing out. There's nothing. It just goes in and it just sits there. And that's why it's so salty. And that's why it's completely bereft of life. There's no macro flora or fauna around. There's no plants, no trees. There's no seaweed that grows in there. There's nothing. There's no fish. Absolutely zipped. There are a few little bacteria and some algae, which I've had to study, which are brilliant. Uh, Dunaliella, they're called. Um, and they love that kind of saltiness. But literally, they're the only things that you find. What an analogy for a church where everyone attends Bible study and home group, we come to worship, we read our scripture, we take in the word, but we don't give anything out. We take in everything, but we don't give anything out to other people. There's no outlet for all this stuff that we take in from God. It's vital that we give it out. Then we're going to be a vibrant church. We won't be a salty, dead, stagnant church. I'll keep interrupting. Application. There's no point learning until you apply your learning. It's just the word. Okay. Application. Application. You're saying giving it out, but it's, you've got to apply God's learning to be able to give it out. Yeah. There you go. Got to give it out and apply it. So according to the New Testament model, uh, the purpose of leadership is not to do all the work of the church, but to equip the church to minister to one another and to people outside the church. And under Old Testament law, Jews understood there were things that only priests could do. Sacrifices, rituals, entering the Holy of Holies, and all those kind of things. Uh, and we know that Jesus' death changed all that. It tore the veil of the temple in two and rewrote that law. And so we can all worship now in the presence of God. We don't need uh, to have a priest do that for us, to intervene for us. There's no distinction between the, the clergy and the laity anymore in terms of our access to God. We're all supposed to be ministers. We're all called as priests. We're all called to minister in God's church. Um, who's got number 11, please? 1 Peter 2. You also, but with the stories, are being moved into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, 
offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. And that's, that encapsulates exactly what God's teaching means. We, we are taught and then we declare, we apply exactly what Madeline was saying. The Old Testament model of the church has a sort of pyramidical shape, pyramidal, wherever the English word is for pyramid, um, with the minister at the top and then all the congregation kind of underneath. And the New Testament model is, is much different. It's, it's more of a circular kind of arrangement, concentric circles, um, each representing a different ministry. But um, you grow your church by adding circles of ministry inside the encompassing circle of, of the fellowship, not just by adding people at the bottom of the pyramid in the Old Testament. Christ is at the centre of that circle, at the centre of the church. And that's what glorifies God. So we must use our gifts. We must apply the teaching that we receive. The last reading is uh, number 12. Who's got 1 Peter 4? Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others faithfully and ministering in God's grace in various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. Thank you. Very, very clear message. We need to apply the gifts we're given. We need to, to use them in God's service to serve others. And there are loads of reasons that we kind of come up with, aren't there, to why God shouldn't use us, why it's not quite the fact that, you know, well, you know, I'm not quite the right person to do that. But we're in really good company with a host of people in the Bible that just were not, were just like us. They didn't want to do it. <laughs> you know, Moses was a stutterer. David's armor didn't fit properly. Timothy had ulcers. Hosea's wife was a prostitute. Amos's training was as a tree surgeon. Jacob was a liar. David had an affair. Solomon was too rich. Abraham was too old. David, David was too young. Peter was afraid of death. Lazarus was dead. Paul was a murderer, and so was Moses. Joseph ran away from God. Miriam was a gossip. Jeremiah was depressed. Elijah was burned out. John the Baptist was a big mouth. Mary was lazy. Samson had long hair. Noah got drunk. But you know what? God used them all. And he'll use us if we honour the gifts that we are given, if we acknowledge the teaching that he gives us and you know we can do wonderful things to wonderful people and still not be wonderful michael luke said that so teaching is just one of those gifts that is given to some people but there's elements of that teaching that we all need to take on board we need to be willing to listen we need to be willing to be taught we need to acknowledge where that teaching is coming from, from God. 
and make sure that it is coming from God. And then we need to be using and applying that teaching and using the gifts that God's given us to serve others. Amen. Father God, I just pray that you would teach us. You are the greatest teacher. And I just ask, Lord, that we would be willing to learn and we'd be able, with your strength, to use the gifts that you give us in the service of others and in the service of each other. We ask that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.